0: and I'm gonna make it all free. It has to be free. hundred bucks is a high bar for 90% of the people in the world. And if I can't make this in a way that I can touch 100% of the people in the world, I consider myself a failure at that point. We as engineers, it's just in our DNA to make ourselves obsolete. If I do a good enough job, I won't be necessary because I will have created something that others can use and adopt.
1: It's 2023 now, if I wanted to get into programming your recommendation would be master programmer courses and path that you've created right
0: right I would say that the quickest path from not being a programmer at all to being an employable programmer is this path to the master programmer because you can get a job going getting undergrad in computer science and that is four years of your life 60 hours a week what I'm saying is with the path to the master programmer I've eliminated as much of that as I possibly can and I'm making better use of your time so you can have a job you can support your family and in a few hours hours a week, nights and weekends, you can, in a couple of years, be employable as a really high-grade professional programmer. Hey
1: everyone, it's David Bombal back with Dr. Chuck. Dr. Chuck, welcome. It's good to be back. It's great to have you here. It's 2023. What I wanna try and give people in the beginning of the year is sort of a path. If they wanna become a programmer or interested in becoming a programmer, you're the right person for all of us to listen to. What do you recommend is the path for me to become and I love the term that you used in our previous interviews, Master Programmer.
0: Well, I own the domain www.masterprogrammer.com. So that should probably do it right there. It, it's a re, it just redirects to another domain right now. What I've done is I have been doing MOOCs on Coursera and edX and free online copies of all those things since 2012. I've been teaching people and I just sort of I finish one course and then I make another one. And so what I do is I tend to have a set of courses, and I've got four out there in Coursera right now, and I'm working on my fifth, and it's going to take me two years to make my fifth. But this course is turning out to be lovely. First four courses are Python, Django, PHP, and Postgres. Those are kind of like just learning to program a little bit, and then C is my next course, and then hardware architecture and Java will be my Java will be my capstone uh, when it's all said and done, and Java will overlap with internships, right? So the first half of job is like, what's the language? And the second half is like, let's go to work. Because I really have just getting stronger and stronger with the notion that the only way you really learn to program is to work. And this all comes from my teaching. Uh, at the University of Michigan School of Information where I'm teaching programming concepts, not pure programmers. And I, I got to the point where I got four MOOCs, all very successful, all doing very well, uh, all well received by the students. People would ask me when I would go talk to them, because one of the things I do is I go talk to my students and get feedback. They would ask me and they would say, so how do I get a job? And I'm like, well, you gotta, I, had a, I have a whole like spiel. I wrote a core article on how." Huh? how to get a job. But inside myself, I'm like asking myself, like, how come I don't hire you? Right. If you've taken all my courses, why wouldn't I hire you? And so that bothered me. It bothered me that students were taking all my courses and they weren't ready for me to hire them. And I then that led me to understand, like, what what's missing? What would I have to add to the current courses that I have so that I'd be ready to hire somebody? And so the path to the master programmer is the and and I'm not talking about four years. I'm talking like what is the quickest way to go from, I kind of get programming to Chuck wants to hire you. And so the the path to the master programmer is really based on kind of a skilled trades, how you become a plumber or a heating and cooling person, and the extent to which you sort of learn some stuff, but just enough so you can start going to work and be mentored by masters, right? And that's why I call it the path to the master programmer. And the, the problem with mentoring is that i don't mind mentoring people but they got to have a certain level of base skills there's a difference between mentoring and tutoring i mean if i could spend eight hours a day with a person who doesn't know anything and slowly but surely teach them what a variable was that is not a good use of my time but if i can mentor someone and i have an example of an employee right now who like for about a month and a half i was mentoring this person and then for the last four months this person was smarter is smarter than me already right i mean he's young uh, highly motivated. And like I just watch him go, right? And we check in. How you doing? He's from India, right? He's from India, right? And he came to me through Python for Everybody, and uh, I—he's my employee now. And uh, my first employee in India, and uh, I've learned a lot about doing that. And uh, I will probably have to go to India to to meet his family at some point. Uh, that's kind of a Indian thing. Basically, said my mom said you have to come, so you have to come. Right? You, no one disagrees with my mom, and that's kind of a Indian culture kind of thing. And he'll he'll say that at some point and be like, okay, I, I get it. Your mom said I have to come and visit her, and so I'll have to come. I just have to fly to India because your mom said, because that that just is how that culture works. And I love the Indian culture. I love the I love the Focus on family and the and the, the the focus on simple joyful things. So so basically, the path to the master programmer is my engineering of how I can create a queue of people that I want to hire. Right? How I can go out and I can say, oh, I need four more people. Here they are. And and so in that, I'm being a proxy for what I think of as whole employment market. Right? If if I'm not going to hire somebody, right, then I don't think you're ready to go to work anywhere else, right? And so the the key to the master programmer is getting to the point where you are worth paying money in a paid internship. So it doesn't mean that you're making six or seven figures. It just means that someone is going to hire you for an internship, mentor you, not consider themselves wasting time talking to you, meaning that they're going to get more back from talking to you than that they're going to put in and that they're going to pay you and you're going to be seen as a value to them, which is going to motivate them to do more internships, right? So if, if every company can get pre-qualified interns that are useful and inexpensive and all they got to do is talk to them for a few hours every week that scales I think that scales wonderfully and so the path to the master programmer is how to create a credential in a way that says ready for internship right ready to be hired again skilled trades like you can be an apprentice plumber and you still can do a lot of plumbing right you' you're, you know you might not be a master plumber and so that's the apprentice right you got like apprentice journeyman master that's the skilled trades progression. And so the masters are the mentors and the journeymen are the people who are sort of emerging and becoming the next generation of masters. And the apprentices are the people who are reading books and studying and doing little simple things like, you know, here's two pieces of pipe, sit by yourself at a table and just solder them together and then throw that away and then solder another thing together and throw that away. And then pretty soon, you know how to solder pipe. And then we're going to take you to a house and we're going to actually start fixing some plumbing, but you're going to be watched over by the master plumber who says, okay, wait, wait, no, 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 you got to do that. You got to wipe it afterwards. Da, 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 da. And then pretty soon that person is the master and the, and the, and it's a self-sustaining process to grow grow the overall people who are in the employment marketplace as programmers. That's that's the goal. Just the same way we need plumbers, we need programmers.
1: Last time you... You spoke about the courses and you've mentioned them again, but just remind me, the path if I want to become a master programmer is Python number one, right?
0: Python number one, Django number two. Now, the interesting thing is it's not because I'm trying to teach people full stack web development. The reason I teach Django is that by the time you finish my Django class, you have done enough Python. So Python is second nature. It's more of a using a programming language. But the other thing that's interesting is in the Django class, I also teach JavaScript and I teach object-oriented Python in the Django class and I teach object-oriented JavaScript. JavaScript and I do compare and contrast. And so that Django class is really a study in object oriented programming, which you can tell I'm kind of obsessed with object oriented programming is how the professionals build code is through object oriented programming. So Python, Django, PHP. And you might say, why PHP? Well, I love PHP. It's crude. It's effective. It's used by a lot of simple things, WordPress all over the place. And it performs great because it doesn't have the garbage collection problem, right? It doesn't have garbage collection problems in the same way. But the other thing about PHP is it's leading us towards C because PHP is really a C-based language syntax-wise. JavaScript is a C-based language syntax-wise. And so I'm trying to, by teaching you PHP, I'm both teaching you the kind of raw nature of the http request response cycle and how you can code straight to that stuff without having a bunch of frameworks in the way django has a bunch of frameworks which is fine but then let's do it without a framework let's just talk to the browser i'm going to write a bit of code it's going to talk to a browser browser going to talk to me i'm going to talk to it php is like the simplest most pure just let's talk about the HTTP protocol, which is more about networking than it is about programming, right? So you're teaching about what networking is and how web services work, and you have to debug it at such a low and crazy nasty level. And so that's where PHP is. And then SQL uh, data modeling is really, really important. And so just understanding data and how data works, and I talked about that speedy joins and really good relation uh, relational databases is other than the internet itself is probably and linux is probably the greatest computer science problem that's been solved in all of computer science history is how to make relational databases work and so i i just like at some point let's take a little time and let's just talk about sql without talking about it in the context of any kind of programming language or web etc and that's the first four um and those are the ones that i looked at and i said that's not enough right and that's where the rest of the path to the master programmer starting with c hardware Uh, assembly language and Java kind of came out. And maybe Rust and maybe Amazon right after that. So I was
1: gonna gonna say, (laughs) what about Rust? Okay, so it's Python, Django, PHP, SQL, C, hardware, assembly, Java, and then maybe hopefully Rust and AWS.
0: Yeah, so the other thing about the PHP class, is it's also an SQL class because we're not using an ORM. Although interestingly, when we come back to Java, we're going to be using an ORM. So it's like, what is an ORM? But not just like, here's to use an ORM, like it's a Ruby on Rails bootcamp. No, you're going to use an ORM in one class and you're not going to use an ORM in another class. And then you're going to take an SQL class and then you are use an ORM in another class, which means that you're not afraid of what the ORM does. And you're going to know the object relational mapping technology like in Java, JPA, Java persistence architecture. So again, it, it just it's the word object is the through narrative of it all is at the end I want you to just be the master of object oriented programming which if you'd asked me years ago how important that was I would have n- I taught classes from other people's syllabuses and I'm week seven we talk about object orientation and then week outward, eight we talk about other stuff and never mention it again and now here I am building an entire curriculum whose sole learning objective is for you to be the master of the concept of object oriented programming.
1: so in previous videos which I've linked below you've explained the master programmer concept in a lot of detail but can you just give us an overview of the paths? Like how do I get these courses? Are they available for free? Where do I get them? And sort of what are the, what, what's the steps to get there?
0: My primary outlet for course material is Coursera and edX, right? Um, I love Coursera and edX because they're like channels, right? They promote my stuff and they gather money and they share that money with me and the University of Michigan. But just because I'm a free, open source, creative commons kind of person, even though those cost money, uh, I also put all of my material up on a wide open website, pyfree.com, djfree.com, wafree.com, pgfree.com, ccfree.com, and all of that is my complete course with auto graders. There's nothing held back. And all of that is 100% free and deployed in a way that can plug into any learning management system on the planet. So if you're a school, I'm a publisher. So what I do is I first build a class as if I were a publisher with not just the book, but all the ancillary materials and videos, auto-graders, PowerPoints. And I give you all that. I give the teachers a kit to teach this all this material for every course I produce, all of it under Creative Commons. And with software that integrates it automatically into Canvas, Moodle, Blackboard, Desire to Learn, Sakai. And so so what I'm also trying to do is create an adoptable curriculum like I am going to be the Pearson of programming all by myself and I'm going to make it all free. And it has to be free. It has to be free because we can't just teach people who can afford even one hundred dollars for a course that is that is an outrageously high bar for let's just say 90 percent of the people in the world 100 bucks is a high bar for 90 percent of the people in the world and if i can't make this in a way that i can touch 100 percent of the people in the world and not just me be the teacher but empower other teachers to be teachers i consider myself a failure at that point if, if uh, i mean we as engineers we want to make ourselves obsolete it's just in our dna to make ourselves obsolete to make it so that you know if i'm if i do a good enough job I won't be necessary because I will have created something that others can use and adopt. And that's how you scale to millions of programmers. I can't teach each one. Um, I got I to gotta give my stuff away and and teach teachers and then hope those teachers like take where I go and just go run with it.
1: That's fantastic. So you've sold me. How do I, how do I join? So what, what, what do I do? So I'm interested. Where do I go? Yeah, for,
0: I mean, for me, I say start in Coursera or at pythonforeverybody.com, pyfree.com. And I'm not done with it right? I've got uh, three more classes to do before I'm ready to hire you. I've got four classes done. And so I would say for people to start now at the beginning. And so basically, I I don't have the path done yet, but I think for a number of people, especially if they're going part time, it's going to take them long enough to get the first half of the path. And then maybe in a year or so, I'll have the next step. And so the idea is I think if people start now and start walking their way through the, the apprenticeship part of the path, which is the first four course specializations that I have on Coursera, then maybe I'll have the fifth, sixth and seventh things in a reasonable shape in a year or so and so that that's that's my idea i wish i could make it happen faster but for me the way i craft a course i think obsessively about how to fit it all together i don't just like knock these things out i create the course I teach them, I listen to my students, I iterate the course, and and it just is not a fast process. And so I I hope that when it's all said and done, that that level of craftsmanship in creating a curriculum that is smooth and fits all together uh, will hold students' attention and get them from the beginning all the way to the end. Uh, without losing them.
1: I love it. I mean, it's it's amazing how Python has changed the world, really. And it's great to hear that that's the first course. I'm sorry, you wanted to say something?
0: No, no. I mean, you're totally right. At times, I'm critical of of computer science degrees and the curriculum that has been evolved over the last 50 years to be computer science degrees. But at the same time, that curriculum and those degrees 20 years ago were the only path. And that was pre-Python. And what's happened is things like Python and Django have made it so that you don't actually have to take the hard path to get to the end. It's kind of like climbing up a mountain and then they put like a road up And then you just like take a train up. You could climb up the mountain or you go like to Switzerland. There's a cog railway. So you can either go to the top of the mountain climbing, rappelling and like carabiners and stuff, or you can pay five bucks and sit and drink some coffee in a railway and you're at the top of the same mountain. The key thing is Python is the cog railway. Python is the thing that makes it so that you can still see the beauty of the top of the mountain without spilling your coffee. And so what I'm trying to say is it's time to build a cog railway to get from nothing to programmer, even though. I acknowledge that 20 years ago, the only way to get to programmer was to climb the hard way, you know, just climb, you know, one little rock at a time and fall down right, and get bruised and stuff. It's not like that's wrong. It's just now that's not the only path.
1: I love that. I mean, just for everyone who's watching, I've put a link below to our previous interview where we had a long discussion about the master programmer and the discussion about degrees. But Dr. Chuck, perhaps you can just give us like a quick overview. Do I need to get a degree to become a programmer?
0: I do not think you need a degree to become a programmer. And and frankly, if I was truly in charge of the entire universe and I could just fix all these things right away and just tell people what to do and they would do it, which is not going to happen. What I would basically say is that I would actually rebuild computer science. I would change computer science and what I would basically, I would restructure how to learn to program, which I'm going to do. And then what I would do after that is I would change computer science to start with a basic entry condition that you're a darn good programmer. You're a very good programmer. You've been working for three years as a programmer. And because I taught it to you in high school, which is my dream is to teach it in high school. You've been working for three years as a professional programmer and you're 22 years old right now. Or maybe 21 years old. You've been working for three years as a professional programmer making 60000 bucks a year. And now... You want to learn computer science. Think of how I could teach computer science all the advanced theory of why databases are fast or why network, the theory that underlies networking that makes networking fast. I could teach all that stuff, but I know you're a programmer. I don't have to teach you programming. I can just use your programming skill to teach you the underpinnings of the nature of computing. And you actually know something about computing, but you don't know the theory that underpins it all. And so I think of like, The right computer science degree is frankly a master's degree in the in something that assumes that you're a great programmer before you start. And if I could change the world, that's what I would do is I would make computer science not kind of like an undergraduate degree. I would make it a graduate degree, but then I would make it so that you're a great programmer and now you really, really, really want to know what's going on and let's do computer science that way.
1: Dr. Chuck, before we wrap this up, I want to say thank you so much for, you know, giving a path and making a road, if you like, for people who, you know, don't have a trust fund and people from around the world. So I really appreciate you're doing that and making it freely available. So for everyone who's watching, you can use the links below. I've put links below where you can go and sign up for the courses for free. Just a note about Coursera. If you go to Coursera, you can do an audit of a course where you don't have to pay. Uh, we had some comments about that on previous uh, our previous videos. So you can get all the content for free. Dr. Chuck, let, I want to give you the floor. Anything you want to say before we wrap this up? Yeah,
0: the one thing that Coursera does does ask you to pay is that if you to do the assessments. And I unfortunately think that assessments are essential because I'm a big believer in uh, formative assessments, not summative assessments. And form- formative assessments are not high stakes and so formative assessments are where you're actually doing an assessment and learning and so Coursera hides that behind a paywall uh, whereas my free courses uh show all the assessments and give that for free and, 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 and then course right? sorry uh, yeah and Coursera of course gives a very um they're they're very good about financial aid and um they they have have been very generous and I've not heard any data that suggests that Coursera is not generous with financial aid the only thing I would call caution is that uh, if you take Coursera's financial aid, you should be ready to apply yourself because Coursera doesn't like you to take financial aid, then drop out, then take financial aid and then drop out and then take financial aid and drop out. They're like, oh, wait a second, we gave you financial aid, right? So so for those of you thinking financial aid is the panacea, and it is, and because Coursera is, I believe, committed to, um, those, to supporting and helping those get certificates for those that have economic challenges, but understand like any financial aid, you are expected to work, right? You, financial aid is just not free. The, the quid pro quo in a financial aid situation, and that's true in higher education, et cetera, in the United States, and that is, if you just take financial aid and drop out, uh, you lose your financial aid, right? And so you just, if you're taking financial aid, you should be ready to commit. But if you really just wanna take your time, my websites give you everything. I don't hide anything, um, and they're all for free.
1: That's fantastic. Again, I really wanna thank you for sharing, you know, and changing the industry. I really appreciate you doing it. Thanks.
0: Thank you.